Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, on this episode of the GH Report, it is 2018 and we are back. We have secrets revealed, scandals unleashed, and so much more to talk about. Let's do it. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Uh, <laughs> we've done it, Carla. We made it to 2018. I know, we are in 2018, man. Yes. Everybody, welcome to the GH Report. Of course, we love to break down every episode of General Hospital and share those thoughts with you, the lucky viewers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Frank Brand. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at HappyGoJackie. <coughs> Excuse me. And I am Frank's co-host, Carla Renata. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. Let me just say, I'm dressed up because I'm going to some Golden Globe stuff afterwards, so that's why I'm like all done up. So, Continue. <laughs> Carla's being modest. I mean, this is her usual day to day attire. No, I, it is I force not. her at times to dress down for the GH report. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, oh no, you're going to outshine me too much. Oh, you're going to come into 218 with jokes. Okay, I see how you're living. I see how you're living. It's all good. It's all good. So, of course, folks, you can like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hop. And while you're there, why don't you, you know, throw some thumbs up there as well? And you feel free to hop in the chat. Share any thoughts you might have about this week's episodes in particular, maybe something over the holiday break, or just General Hospital in general. General Hospital in general. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yes, well, of course, we took the we took a little holiday break, so we weren't here for a few weeks, so there's a lot that went on. Woo! So we'll do play a little catch-up for the past couple weeks about yes. what we missed. Yes, there was a lot going on. Okay, let me, I took some notes because it was just way too much happening. So let's start with, Let's start with the fact that we know how much I love Jason and Sam together, right? When they finally kissed, I lost my mind. I lost my mind, and I was so excited, but alas, it was short-lived. My excitement was short-lived. Thank goodness. I want nothing to do with this. And that kiss was a little weird. That was a little awkward kissing. It was a little forced. Yeah. Yeah, it felt a little... Like, when when they first kissed, and it, like... Went to, you know, it went off for that day, and then it came back the next day, and they were still kissing. When they finally finished kissing, I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> like, when they first kissed, I was, like, all excited. But then when they came back the next day, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this right now. No, I, and I felt like even after the kiss ended, I felt like Sam's face kind of showed that, like, yeah. She she wasn't like, oh, yeah, this is what I've been missing. She was, And I know, and that's why I said my excitement was short-lived, because she had that look on her face like, yeah, we kissed, but I'm still not feeling you. And I was like, ooh. Well, let's get in, because Carly, of course, sets this whole situation in motion mm-hmm. there. She finds out what Drew and Sam's plans are for the evening and says, yep. how can I get Jason involved in the mix? Yep. Maybe isolate Drew so that Sam and Jason can have their chance to yep. really reunite. She, she had somebody tinker with Drew's car. She told uh, she um, lied to Jason and told Jason that Sonny was going to meet him at the Haunted Star, and it was just like this whole thing. But I think my favorite part about all of that was Maxie jumping into stylist mode and telling Sam she couldn't wear her leather jacket. <laughs> I 
was like, I kind of loved Maxie for that. Maxie was like, yeah, I'm just going to take this with me, <laughs> and you're not going to see it ever again. Well, two things I loved about that, though, was one, how fast Jason ran out of that scene when, when Carly says, oh, uh, he's texting me. He says he has some information for you, the Haunted Star. Uh, Jason just... Hightails he went it. flying out of there. And I was like, really? No questions asked? I don't know about that. He's, just, he's not going to walk fast. He's just going to run as fast as he possibly can. Rodell says, Sam Lyons. She won, Jason. Hi, Jacob. You know, I... Okay, this is how I feel, this is how I feel about um, Sam and Jason. So Sam and Jason are like that couple. They had this really high and heavy relationship. And there's always going to be remnants of that underlying beneath. But... Five years is a long time, and and I think she'll always love Jason, but I think she's trying to protect herself from getting hurt. And in that five years, she's had two children. See, when she first hooked up with Jason, there were no kids involved. Now there's children in the equation. And I don't have children, but all of my, all of my friends that do have kids, they say that your life changes when you have children. You find yourself doing things when you have kids that you don't do when you're a single person. So maybe her not being a single person anymore with um, no consequences is different for her now that she has kids. And maybe that is one of the um, ingredients of why her feelings toward Jason have kind of shifted. I, I can completely agree with that. Uh, the, because I feel like Carly doesn't seem to understand this whole concept that uh, for Jason, no time has passed, but for Sam, five years has passed. So Car- Carly get it. Carly just don't care. Ugh. It's Carly. Carly don't, Carly don't care about anything but what Carly wants. Carly wants Jason and Sam together. And remember, there was a time where she wasn't even feeling uh, Jason with Sam. So I'm just like, Carly just want what she want when she wanted. Well, I feel like, I guess you could say her heart's in the right place because she's trying to make sure that Jason has come back, can get everything that back in his life that he had when he was taken off campus, so to speak. Yeah. Which would include Sam <laughs> as part of that, but, oh, man. Somebody in the chat room said Carly needs to get a life. You, you know, y'all know you know somebody that's like that. Somebody that's always up in the mix, always got their fingers in the Kool-Aid trying to stir up the sugar, and ain't got no business being there. So Carly's that person on General Hospital. Well, I'm glad that, uh, I'm hoping that after Sam and Carly's conversation at the end of this week, that Carly will... Well, she's not going to back off. Because no, she, it's Carly. Ugh. How many times that people... Sonny told her to stop, Jason told her to stop, and now Sam has told her to stop. Is she going to stop? No. She's not going to stop, because that's just not her M.O. She just don't, She just does not operate in that, that lane at all. Well, she breaks down between her and Jax, uh, what happened with them, and that Sonny has always had a permanent lock on her heart, and so if, you know, so when... She had to break Jax's heart because it was always sunny. Ultimately, yeah. And Sam says, you know, hey, you and I, we're not the same person. Do you feel like that is is Sam being genuine or, like you were saying, that is Sam just putting up walls around her heart because she's afraid to admit that truth to herself? I think Sam is putting up walls because, like I said, when you when you fall that hard for a dude and they and they dis- and they ghost you. First of all, he ghosted her for five years. So they go- he ghosted her for five years. Nobody knew where he was. Well, they all assumed that he had died. But still, he's still a ghost. Either way you look at whether he ghosted and purposely left or he ghosted and died, he ghosted her. Right. So he's gone. Five years have gone by. Emotionally, she's moved on with her life. Imagine how that is if you if you love somebody that hard, moved on with your life, and then somebody says, psych, here I come, I'm back. I wasn't really dead. That's a lot to process, and it's a lot to go, yeah, I'm just going to pick up where I left off. I, I personally, I mean, I know this is a soap opera, but 
personally, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I'd want to do that. I don't know if I'd want to go backwards. Life is too short for all of that to keep going backwards. At some point, you got to move forward. Yeah, and I think that's what Sam is trying to do. It is interesting that for I thought Carly to talk to Sam is like Sonny's got a hold of my heart for his, you know for all his faults or all the baggage or trouble that he brings with him. I'm always going to be with him. And yet, there's been so many times where she is stressed to Sonny that she wants him out of the mob, or at least you know not doing anything that's really going to impact their family as well. So. I don't know why she can say that and yet turn a blind eye to, like, Sam could have legitimate reasons but for, see, like, But this is that. the thing. Carly says that, but Carly secretly gets a high off of being associated with the mob. Like, she uses it to her advantage when she feels like it can work to her advantage. And then she she um, goes to Sonny and says something about, about it in terms of being against it when it feels like it's not going to work to her advantage. Carly, no matter what the situation is, no matter what lane she's in, is all about Carly. What can Carly get? How can Carly make this work for her? Like, she tries she tries to turn the other cheek. She tries to be that chick that looks like she's concerned about everybody, but she's not. And that's why she hates Nell so much, because she sees that young Carly in Nell. That's how Carly was when Carly sh- showed up on General Hospital. She was very manipulative and conniving like that. Oh, very true. But as she says to Nell, and, and we can focus on this a little bit more, but uh, where she says to Nell, you know, the difference between you and I is that I had a friend that saw the best of me and stuck by me and helped me become a better version of myself. You well, maybe Carly's going to be that person for her. No, no way. No way. I bet she does. No. Because remember she remember she warned she warned Nell about Ava because she was uh, uh, Nell was rubbing it all in her face that she's now working for Ava at the gallery and Carly was like, "Oh yeah, you think this is going to be cute? Well, this is what happened to this person when they turned on Ava or did something that she thought was going to come back and bite her in the butt." Cuz I don't and I'm confused about this. Does Ava know that Nell is the reason they know that she switched those pills on um uh Morgan? Well, I don't know. See, I, I don't think so. I don't think that detail and, got uh, and if released. And if that detail is still lurking out in the open and Ava doesn't know that, when Ava finds out, it's going to be all she wrote. She's going to come for that little girl. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like Ava, at least now with Griffin, is trying to at least own up to her stuff. and so Yeah, but, but, but she's still slipping back into them old ways. Because remember how she jumped all up in her daughter's face and Griffin's face when she thought that they were hooking up and oh. all they were doing was trying to plan a surprise for her? Uh, it was, like you can't change a tiger's spots. I'm just saying. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean stripes, not spots. <laughs> a leopard spots, a tiger stripes. <laughs> I got my animals mixed up. <laughs> I do feel bad for Drew though because uh, it, it's just to have everybody for the most part saying like, "Hey, you know, we're still your friend." But by the way, you know, Sam really should be with Jason. Like to talk out of both sides of their mouth to Drew. I feel bad for the guy. You know, I I don't feel sorry for Drew. I think at the end of the day, Drew needs to do exactly what Sam suggested that he do. That he go and he find out what his past really is instead of trying to hop in, instead of trying to manipulate the past he thinks he had with Sam as Jason, right? So he needs to find out what happened when he was in the Navy, what happened during that period of time that he was gone, what happened before that period of time, and maybe that will help him have a more solid relationship with Sam. But right now for Drew, I think that because he's in that place of limbo, he doesn't know who he is because he just found out that the last five years he'd been living somebody else's life. 
I think he just needs to figure out what his own life is. And and I'm really getting tired of every episode, Sam having to reassure him, I love you, I want to be with you. Boo, if you have to convince somebody that hard that you love them, they need to move on, and so do you. I'm just saying. Well, I, I but also, with everybody telling Drew, like, you know what, Sam should be with Jason. I mean, I can understand why the guy's a little shaken in the confidence department. He is paranoid. Like, if the woman, if the woman is in your face telling you, telling you, I love you, I want to be with you, I want to marry you. She even says toward the end of the week, let's get married tonight. What you think he going to say to that? He's going to say, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's too many things. Well, the thing I think we need to figure out, too, is uh, certainly we, we know the, uh, the original template the, uh, of Drew's memory exists somewhere, and whoever that big bad is that we're waiting to be uncovered has it. They've got the ornament, and they've got uncovered the flash Now, we know it's Faison. They got it. Well, we'll see. And well, we, we don't know, know it's Faison. We know it's, it's – I'm going to tell you who it is. It's either Faison or it's this mysterious other son of Faison's, the it's one that one we don't – it's one of the two, or maybe both. But uh, the thing to answer, though, is that say we get that and Drew gets his original memories back, do they overwrite the time that he's had as Jason? That, that or, will remain the same. Do they seen. incorporate or do they completely wipe it out? Because then if he does, decides to do that, he completely disremembers Sam. Well, that will remain to be seen, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if this if it worked this way where, I mean, for the most part, it seems like, at least Drew's, I don't know necessarily his memories are underneath there, but at least his, some of his character traits, because it does explain, as Sonny was saying, why he made some of the choices that the real Jason didn't make. Right. Like, you know, and, and let's talk, speaking of which, since you brought up Sonny, I love the scene that they had together where, you know, Sonny came over, he tried to make amends because he basically, you know... He basically dropped Drew like a bad habit once Jason came back. Yeah. And he real even Sonny realized that was kind of foul. So Sonny came over and was like, Yo, I'm sorry about that. You still my friend. You know, you did this for me. Um, Jason wouldn't have done that. You did that for me. Jason wouldn't have done that. You know, that was you that did that, not Jason. So in spite of all that, I think we could still, you know, be friends. So I don't know. I thought that was a nice scene and a long time coming because you're right. It felt like once everybody was like, no, oh, this is really Jason, even though they didn't. <laughs> they ghosted it. Oh, like, oh, wow. They, they, just, left them, just, they yeah. just left them hanging. Everybody except for Monica. Very true. Everybody Mon- except for, and a little bit with Michael. Michael was like, don't y'all think y'all wrong? <laughs> <laughs> like, even when, when Michael is the voice of reason, you know you got some problems. Well, because even Carly and Sonny had that scene where they said, like, they, amongst themselves, were like, oh, you know, we feel bad for Drew. But it took a while between that conversation and then Sonny actually going and talking to Drew. Yeah, saying, like hey, three weeks to a month. I'm yeah, like, I'm going to need y'all. Ugh. That was a long time. Let's talk about, um, <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit to Christmas. when I, I knew they were setting Jason and Sam up for something yeah. because they had those flashbacks of them with the little uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah, oh man, uh, Steve Burton's hair was... It was, oof. they looked, both of the, you know... In your mind, because you see them every day, you think they don't, they don't really look that different than when they, when they first came Very onto true. the scene. But when they do those flashbacks, you're like, oh, my God, they look like they're 12. Like, they look like, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Kelly, Monaco. She looks like a little baby, and her, her face was a little fuller, and so was his. I'm like, they both look like they were 12 years old. They, and they, they now look like the parents of the people that were in the flashback. It was yeah. kind of funny to me. I enjoyed that. That was hilarious. I have to say, though, the more I see those flashback scenes, like, the more I'm like, I don't care about the two of them together. 
at all. I rather, I'm going to need you to stop hating on Jason and <laughs> I Sam. just don't care. I can see right now the GH report, as long as I'm here with you, is going to be about us fighting over Jason and Sam. Oh, I just want Jason just to be in action. I don't care. Never have him in a romantic relationship. I don't care about him. He got to have a romance. No, he he got to have a love life. He just has to be stone cold and kicking butt. Oh, Speaking of stone cold, they brought back Spinelli for like two seconds. Hey, you know, I feel like anytime you need to be able to advance a plot at least a little bit, you bring in Spinelli with an info dump. That's what he does. I had some stuff. I tinkered around on the interwebs. I love that. <laughs> but then I also love the moment that Spinelli had with Jason when after um, they all found out that Nathan is um, Faison, one of Faison's sons. Um, Spinelli was like, I don't know if I want my daughter being associated. And he was having that moment, that same moment that Jason had a while back and Jason when he, uh, with uh, Franco. And so Jason was like, look, he was like, I had that moment when that happened with Franco and Sam and she thought she was pregnant by Franco. And he's like, it's not the baby's fault. You got to forgive. And I was like, and it, and it, that moment, like I would have loved to see that play out a little bit more because it was like, Spinelli said what he had to say about that matter. Jason said, you shouldn't do that. It's not the baby's fault. Spinelli said, okay, and then they moved on. That's right. I was like, really? That's all the time we're going to give to that? There you go. Not enough. (laughs) Well, all right. You you bring up there uh, Nathan's paternity. This has been a subject of, uh, especially throughout the whole terrible Manlander stuff. Oh, the terrible Manlander's days. We don't want to talk about that. Where where, I lamented the fact that there is great storyline potential for Nathan, and not in this terrible storyline, but to actually figure out who his true parentage is. And, you know, whether they had to delay that, certainly because of uh, people's schedules. Uh, You know, I know uh, Obrecht was uh, also on Arrow for a while. Maybe that took her out of pocket. She's in Vancouver filming. She can't be in Los Angeles filming those scenes, so they kind of got to delay that kind of revelation. Why they cooked up a terrible Manlander storyline to kind of they kind of tell me anything? Let me, wait, let me tell you. Why are you talking about Albrecht? Let me just uh, let me just um, talk about her for a minute. I love her. I love Liesl. This is Liesl we talking yep. about, right? Liesl, whenever that doll is on the screen, she is literally just tearing up the TV screen with her acting. She's so good. I love when they give her screen time. That scene that she had with Maxie and Nathan where she was like, please forgive me for not, you know, being forthcoming about who your real dad is and allow me to be time, allow me to have time as his grandparent. And she left, well, you'll see when you when you have your kid. Like, that, that you can't, you can't, you can't fake that. You can't fake that kind of acting. You can't fake that kind of moment. She, I love how the, the, the um, writers on General Hospital have evolved her character to not be the Wicked Witch of the West every time she's on the screen. Like, I love the fact that they show her with some type of humanity, and it doesn't happen overnight with her character. Like, you see it evolve over a period of time where they don't necessarily always do that with some of the other characters. Like, some of the other characters, one minute they're nice, and then, like, literally overnight they've turned a new leaf, and you're like, hey, how did that happen? But I also feel like that only really happens with Nathan and sometimes with Franco. (laughs) But otherwise, anybody else, like the whole stuff with Finn, she just, man, she was just, at, uh, I was annoyed with those that storyline between her and Finn for the longest time. Yeah, that was kind of, uh. So we finally get the parentage kind of <laughs> revealed. Uh, and now we find out it's not really Victor Casadine, as we knew it wasn't but for the longest time. But we knew that. Time, but that it's uh, Faison. Is that, I mean, certainly we know when, at the initial time when it was proposed, said that, you know, is that's not really the father. Whoever, the person that it is is way, way uh, more sinister, way more evil, way more menacing than than Victor Cassidyne. Yeah. So, you know, Cesar Faison, 
uh, creep of the highest order, uh, mastermind, <laughs> uh, dastardly deed, uh, villain. Are you satisfied with that revelation, or would you rather have had it been some kind of unknown Cassidyne? Um, I think it's more interesting that he's Faison's son because that creates more opportunities. I think the Cassidyne lineage on General Hospital is slowly but surely fizzing out because literally, literally, the only Cassidyne that we have left, literally, is Alexis and Spencer. Is there anybody else? Valentine and Valentine, but is Valentine like he's another one that one minute he was all evil and then the next minute he was working with Anna? I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm kind of. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you know, Faison, sure, but I don't know. I, I the way that they kind of left it, I felt like it was going to be much more of a really cool, explosive revelation to have it be just Faison after a while. It's like, yeah, okay, it's Faison. What's a big whoop? But Faison's a really interesting character because he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs crazy. He, he is, is crazy as hell. He's like he's one of those people that they kill him off and he just ne- there you go. he never dies. Like they continuously kill him and he keeps coming back. Thanks to James Molly White is Jr. a Cassidyne. Oh, that's right. Because Molly is Alexis's daughter. Yes. Okay, that's right. That's right. Uh, apparently, Helena was scared of Valentine. Really? Well, I mean, apparently, but she uh, but she also got his uh, a sperm sample to be able to fertilize. Lulu's egg. So I just I can't. Yeah. So <laughs> it's weird to be scared, but also like I'm gonna take somebody's sperm sample too. So <laughs> sure. I, why you gotta say it like that? Oh my god, that's pure comedy. Okay. Yeah. So you know now we have Nathan B and Faison's kid, and we also seem to have from uh, Spinelli's kind of analysis and extrapolation of what was maintained of the manuscript that had been partly burned. That there is another Faison child out there, another son. Mm-hmm. So it seems like we've got Nathan confirmed, and now we have a mysterious other son out there. I can't wait to see who this other son is. I'm hoping it's somebody that's already on the show, but I could deal with a new character too. I, I it was interesting because it's it, when they plant seeds like that on the show. It's always interesting to see what scene they cut to after that because mm-hmm. that's kind of seems like a good indication about like who that person may be. Mm-hmm. They cut to Griffin after that. I was like, well, no, I mean, we got Griffin is uh, a Duke's son, so I, I doubt that that's the case. But that's what could make it really interesting because Griffin is Duke's son, and there was all this drama with Duke and Faison back in the day. Remember, there was a whole storyline where Faison pretended to be Duke, and they had the whole face switching and all oh, yeah. that mess. That was so- the memory mapping of uh, like 2014. <laughs> right. So. Thinking back on that storyline, that actually could make it really interesting, and that also could could lead me to believe that that might be what's about to come up. Because they do do that; they do, they do have those scenes, and then they cut to somebody else in the scene, and there's like this extreme close up of them, and they did do that. So I was like, hmm, maybe it is Griffin, and that's the other thing. So I'm gonna need for Griffin to not be such a punk when it comes to Ava. Like he's always running after her, trying to reassure her. If that doll is that insecure over a scar on her face, seriously, then dump her. She's getting on my nerves. I, this uh, That's another one that was pure evil, and now they're making her into a punk. She's getting on my nerves. There you go. We've got... Somebody, uh, somebody said no more new characters work with the ones you have. Is that James Law Jr.? Oh, we got Michael B. shouting out Peter. Uh, Peter Gurr. I, I, I know that name popped on there. Peter August earlier there in the the chat. So I, I don't know if that's actually the, the character name or actor that might be coming in to play that. Feel yeah. free to reveal. Uh, Gary said, I was hoping it was Jerry Jacks. I don't need for Jerry Jacks to come back. 
Okay. Really? Come no. On. I'm, Jerry oh, I am, it's been a while. I am over Jerry Jacks coming back. He's another one that they keep killing him and he never dies. I'm, I need for him to stay dead. No, man, come on. <laughs> I just can't do it. Jerry Jacks is the best. Uh, Yaki says, agreed. No more new characters un- unless it's coming back unless coming back outside of Morgan, Rick, Britt, or Nicholas. I need for Nicholas to come back. I, I would love for Nicholas to come back. I want Nicholas not to be dead. I oh, like him. There we go. Uh, oh, oh, that's right. Peter is the guy Drew and Sam hired. Thank you, Kelly. Oh, right. For uh, Peter, uh, the COO of um, of the the company. The oh, pub- come on, Aurora Media. Aurora please. Media. Yes. Uh, that's interesting. That's uh, but he's no punk. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that'd be interesting because then now because we certainly he's very keen on finding out and uh, he's sending a, Lulu on this, and he's a little shady. <laughs> He a little shady. He be sending Lulu on the wild goose chases. I'm like, why are you doing that to her? You know you're not going to hire her. I hate when people do that. He's sending her on that wild goose chase going, get me this, get me that. And every time she gets something, he's promising her this, that, and the other. And then when she tries to cash in her chips, he's like, well, no, that was really just one story. I'm like, but you said a big story and that you would do this if she gave you a big story. She's giving you a big story, and now you're saying she got to give you something else. I'm going to need for you to keep your word. Well, it, it he well one <laughs> to bring in Peter August there. Uh, Peter August, that's I, it. Yeah. I, I had forgotten that his name was that. But what I did love is that collarless shirt that he was wearing uh, for for one episode there. Get a sports jacket on, but he's got the collar, collarless shirt on. Man, it's like I feel like the I don't know if I feel like the collarless shirts are like in vogue now. I thought they were out, they were Dude, in vogue for like early 2000s. The but I feel scene like must have been real out. boring for you to focus in on that collarless shirt. That's all that was sticking out to me. It's like, man, are these in now again? Did I miss this? Did I miss the memo when collarless shirts are oh making their way back? You focused in on that collarless shirt. That is pure comedy. Uh, so, yeah, here it is, I, Peter August. Yeah. But I also feel like, so you're sending Lulu <laughs> She's written one story exposing a scandal about the, you know, a corrupt election there in Port yeah. Charles. But their next story is like, why don't you find an international uh, international terrorist? Why don't you go find that person? I that should can't. be the, <laughs> your next story. I can't. I can't. First of all, I can't with the fact that one minute, wasn't Lulu working at Crimson at one point? Yes. So how, first of all, I'm like, how are you going to be working at Crimson and then be a private eye? I can't with that. I like that tra- that transition. I'm I'm like, I can't. I can't. I just, I can't. But I, I, I'm so curious to think, like, because Lulu feels like, all right, I'm just going to, well, obviously ask my husband a bunch of leading questions that we all know, like, oh, why are you really asking me this? Because to find Cesar Faison. But the other thing is, like, what is she imagining when, if she does find him, that he's just going to sit down and just have an interview and not try having the daughter of Luke Spencer right there in front of him try to do something with her to really get back at Luke. Like, she doesn't think about that part. Like, wait, I should not really be alone in a room with this she guy. She don't care. She try, she Her doing this whole P.I. thing is actually bringing her closer to Dante because he's a cop. So it's kind of like a little hot turn on for Dante, for his wife to be, you know, little Miss Private Eye and cracking cases and stuff and making him look good. He's got his little chest poked out. Like, ooh, my baby done did something. I'm like, I'm going to need y'all to have her do something else. Well, yeah, Let her B, go back to fashion. Uh, uh, Michael B. says, uh, <laughs> Faison is looking for him. He doesn't know what his son looks like unless he's wearing a mask. Uh, <laughs> true. I, I mean, certainly there's much to be figured out about what this other son of Faison is all about. Uh this did Faison know that he had a son? I mean, certainly, I mean, he didn't know. He doesn't know about Nathan, so he could have been with many other women other than Obrecht and had 
at least one, two other children that we don't know about. This is true. And Jacob is saying that um, Tyler Christopher is now in Days of Our Lives. Um, yes, that's true. But that never stopped them to, from taking somebody off of another soap and bringing them back to uh, General Hospital. That happened with Steve Burton coming back as Jason. He was on another soap, and there he is, live in an In Living Color soap. There you have it. Yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, a, if, if I'm not mistaken, Steve Burton was either on... Uh, he was on one of the three, Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, or Bold and the Beautiful. I, I can't remember which Restless. one of the three. But one of those three he was on. Yeah, he was on there for you know, almost five years, but then uh, now he made his way back. So I mean, never say never when it That's comes to... That's what I'm saying. To... When it comes to somebody being on another soap, please. The girl that played uh, Cassandra used to be on One Life to Live. And now... She played Megan, I think, on One Life to Live. So, you know... Uh, uh, Miss Yaki in the chat says she'd be fine with a recast for Nick. Uh, I mean, that was something that certainly we talked about uh, ba- basically when uh, Tyler Christopher left the show. Would we be fine with recasting the character? They And it seemed to be mixed. People felt like Tyler no. Christopher originated the role, even though other actors have played that role. They Everybody kind of gravitated like, if you're going to do Nicholas, it should be Tyler Christopher. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to see that character recast. I don't. I mean, the fact that you've done it a few times doesn't bother me. So it's like I, I'm yeah. fine. I, I, I feel like at this point it becomes like, what's more important, story or the actor? And if it's it, de- just- it depends, it depends on the character and the story. I, I think it depends on the character and the story and what's happening in the storyline at the time. That's what I think. Like if they decided they wanted to bring Luke Spencer at some point. I seriously doubt folk would want somebody else playing Luke Spencer other than Anthony Geary. I agree with that. You but, know what I'm saying? But I also think, like, if you have, like, Lucky, even though I think everybody, for the Lucky's most part. Lucky's been played by a couple of people. True. Uh, for me, it's always, like, Jonathan Jackson is, like, my go-to for Lucky, even though a few other people have played him as well. But if you also wanted to recast Lucky with somebody else, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Well, I feel like once you've recast a character a few different times, I'm fine with it. Even though you may love one actor's portrayal of that character. Yeah. I'm also fine with that. So I feel like with Tyler, you've already or with Nicholas, you've already broken that kind of casting seal a couple times. So I don't mind if you recast Nicholas. But I agree with you. I, I could never imagine like Anthony Geary. I would want to see like even seeing uh, Jason being recast was like, Ugh. Uh, yeah. But it's great I wasn't, to have him back. I wasn't having it, but it um, Billy Miller kind of grew on me after a while. Let's talk about this for just a second. Let's talk about the chemistry between Anna and Finn. I kind of love the chemistry between Anna and Finn. I like it, but I also, man, I was just getting a little tired of the just the the you know, the, you know, the kind of circling around each other. That was like, yeah. oh, just okay. Uh, speak, please talk direct. Speaking of which, let's talk about that boxing ring scene. So let's talk about the fact that they were in that boxing ring, and she was like, "Let me show you how to um, protect yourself against Cassandra because you trying to you know double talk your way out of some stuff is not going to work." And then. They get in each other's face, and then she faints. And I was like, really? So now we just going to faint in the boxing ring? <laughs> I was like, what is going on? That's Finn using his medical skills. I can't with that. I'm like, if she had done anything else but faint, I think I could have at least, you know, taken in that moment. But the fact that she was, like, in his face all like this, and then she just dropped to the floor, I'm like, <laughs> I can't. I just like, I'm like, he is not that charismatic that somebody gonna fall out on the floor. I'm well, sorry. Well, I guess when you get your uh, one of your veins uh, pinched and then you just well, uh, then there's that. But I love the fact that she threw him on the ground. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so uh, speaking of Anna and Finn, we've got this whole big drug storyline. Something that's been set in motion for a while. Yeah, uh, we've brought it brought Cassandra into town. It brought Valentine kind of under her thumb with the uh, ex- you know like with the threat of revealing what was really happening with Claudette. Yeah, if it doesn't go along with her and. Are you satisfied? Because I felt like, and I feel like also people tweeted this out, is that that storyline ended pretty abruptly. 
it felt like. The drug storyline? The drug storyline. All of a sudden, we've, you know. But it's kind of not done, really. Well, I mean, we got Cassandra. Uh, well, Cassandra's missing, first of all. Well, it's supposedly taken by the WSB. We don't know where she is. So she's missing. Well, Anna Anna said that she's in WSB custody. Yeah, so she's gone. Um, and then we have, and the WSB raided the, the warehouse, so they got the drugs and stuff. Yeah. But then um, at some point, there's something about that. There's something about that whole little that, the uh, tail end of that storyline that wasn't tied up in a nice little bow. So but I don't think that that's, I don't think it's done. True. Like who, I guess it seems to be like who took Cassandra from uh, Anna's house right. and put her in an alley in, in right. the Charles Street District. Right. Like how did that happen? Like I need for that to, because when I saw her, when I saw her laying on the floor with that needle in her chest, I thought, oh, Finn took her out. <laughs> I was so glad. Yeah. I was like, ooh, she gone. She was getting on my nerves anyway. And then that happened, and I'm like, oh, really? The biggest thing that I'm hoping, and it seems like they're not going to, which I'm excited about, is they're not going to go back with a uh, a Finn uh, kind of having a relapse in terms of being addicted to drugs. I, yeah, that would take up. That's way too much screen time that could oof. be devoted to something else. I no, just no. can't with I, that. I like having a moment where he realizes that he tells Amy to get rid of the chip because now he's kind of set back to zero. Mm-hmm. I like having that moment. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally 100 percent with you on that one. But and considering like how big this drug storyline was kind of being pilled up, uh, I just felt like oh, this is kind of the ending. All right. It, but I'm, I'm saying it's not the end because when Cassandra was talking to Finn, she was saying some, she she was not Finn. She when she was talking to Valentine, she was um, telling Valentine that he needed to take out Sonny right in order for them to move forward with their little drug thing so if that's how she feels and somebody else brought her in there then whoever the person is that um urged cassandra to come to port charles in the first place that person is still gunning for sunny and we don't know who that person is so i think that's why that storyline isn't done did somebody urge cassandra to come there or it was more that finn had kind of coaxed her out of morocco to with the with the like hey i can cure whatever ails you but i think that whenever they have those kind of storylines, there's always something else going on that's not necessarily said or written in the script that's kind of like behind the lines, so to speak. I feel like there's some other reason other than him bringing her or coaxing her to come that caused her to come to poor Like She's not just going to come to poor Charles because she's sick and he the doctor that can help her. If she knows that there's other stuff in poor Charles that she can mess with while she's there... It's like when you go on vacation somewhere, if you can do something more than see the sights, you're going to do something more than see the sights. Uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping. It'll be curious to see what is next. Like, Because the idea of like all of a sudden like Valentine having to try to – that's why I was hoping the storyline might be extended because you see like the threat of Valentine having to try to possibly take Sonny out. How does he try to act like he's still doing that when – He's not really trying to. I thought there was some cool storyline potential, but it just is kind of, yeah. at least right now, kind of abruptly ended with Cassandra gone, Valentine, at least for right now, secure in the fact that whatever she knows about Claudette, she's not going to be able to talk about whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I also I also like the fact that the General Hospital attacks something that's very um, relevant in in our country today, the whole gentrification thing happening. I remember when I lived in New York City, I lived in Harlem on 146th Street and St. Nicholas Avenue, right? And when I lived up there, nobody wanted to come up there. As a matter of fact, there was a film made about that corner that I lived on, about it being a really famous drug corner. There was a whole feature film made about that corner. So 
when I went back some years later, I say all that to say that when I went back some years later, there's a Dunkin' Donuts on the corner. There's a 24-hour fitness around the corner. There's a Starbucks a couple of blocks up the street. I'm like, really? So, and and I didn't see any black people in Harlem. Like, where were the black people? None. Nowhere. I'm like, I saw white people walking through Harlem with confidence. So I'm just saying that, you know, the whole gentrification thing, it's real. That that um, people are going into neighborhoods, into sections of towns that were once predominantly some other type of ethnic group. And now it's becoming either all white or, or or made a historic district or whatever the situation is. And I love the fact that they attacked that on General Hospital with Charles Street. And I also love the fact that I think it was Laura when she was giving her speech about, you know, why they shouldn't let Mayor Lomax um, bring these people in to do that. When she talked about Mary May, who was played by Rosalind Cash back in the day, um, she was talking about Charles Street and talking about how historic it was. And there's a quote, I want to read it. Because I don't want to get it wrong. She said something about, oh, Mary May Ward. So I love that, that Laura played homage to Mary May Ward. And she said, um, and they did the whole gentrification storyline. And I love the fact that Laura had this quote that she said that Mary May quoted on General Hospital back in the day. That Charles Street is not a reminder of who we were. It's a reminder of who we are. And that is so apropos to so many neighborhoods in our country, across America, with the whole gentrification storyline. And they kind of hopped on it, hit it, and quit it real quick. But I love the fact that they even brought that up. That was kind of cool. Well, it does. I feel like there's still room for them to still address that because we have, with the, the mayoral scandal, Lomax is out. There's going to have to be another election. And, I, well, first, I like that they bring Felicia back just for a hot second and say, like, eh, you know what? No, I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> like, really? You just couldn't give her the mayor thing? Even if we're not going to see her a lot, she could just be mayor now. She don't want to be so, bothered. And every so often when she goes back, at least she's mayor. At least she has something to do. Now she's, of course, Felicia's got nothing going on. Again. But now it looks like it's going to be a, 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 a race between uh, Laura and Ned. Ooh, I want Laura to win. Because that'll give Laura something to do other than being Mrs. Laura Collins. <laughs> yes. Oh, and which reminds me, I love the fact that they had that um, storyline, well, for like two seconds, they had that um, issue addressed too, where she's been Laura Spencer for so long, no matter who she was married to, she held on to that, that Spencer name because that tied her to Luke, right? Yep. So now she's finally like, okay, you know what? I don't need to be Laura Spencer anymore. I could deal with being Laura Collins. I'm like... Well, go ahead, Laura, with your bad self. No, why didn't she just go back to Laura Weber? That brings bad memories for her, I yeah, think. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, Weber and Spencer, not so much. Yeah. And then there was Baldwin, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Her and her fighting over... <laughs> and let's talk about that wedding, about how it was almost going It was gonna to start, then it wasn't, then it was, and it wasn't, and it finally happened. I was like, oh, Laura, y'all doing too much. Kelly from BEI says, Laura doesn't want to run now. She said it on her honeymoon. Yes, I know that her and Kevin had that talk. But you know it's basically going to be like that Ned will start making a play, Laura's not going to like it, and is actually going to start running in. Because you feel like you're not going to introduce two characters circling around the idea of a mayoral election and not have both of them run. No, of course of course, Ned is going to run because Ned is trying to get that contract solidified with uh, for ELQ with that gentrification thing. The only way he can do that without Michael stepping on his toes is if he was the mayor. Because if he was the mayor, Michael can't come in and say blah, 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 because Ned would be the mayor. He'd have to find a say. Yeah, so. Uh... <laughs> I love Danny talking about, but Laura Baldwin had the nicest ring. <laughs> I love that. Hmm. 
You better be paying attention to that ring. I wasn't looking at her fingers that tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, well, let's talk about Ned for one hot second there is that uh, he finally kind of reaches his boiling point with Michael in terms of uh, ELQ, where they do have that whole program with uh, uh, Charles Street. They bring in Greg Evigan, guys. Let's not forget about Greg Evigan as that developer. Uh, my two dads, BJ and the Bear, Greg Evigan, coming in. With his sketches. <laughs> with his sketches with the ELQ Stadium. I'm like, go sit in a corner somewhere. Yeah, the I don't naming need to see all that. But I also feel like, do, how much do you think what Ned has said is true? Do you think like Michael's just being cautious for, for, for cautious sake? Or the fact that you know he's like, well, Ned is making big moves. I don't know if I really want to support this. I think Michael is a young person. I think Michael... Michael, for all practical purposes, is representing a young business person in Port Charles. And they're showing that, I think it's showing that difference in generational decisions, where Ned looks at it as an opportunity for ELQ to make more money and um, broaden the city's horizon, so to speak, a little bit, where Michael sees it as an opportunity to make money as well, but in the wrong kind of way. Like in the moment where he asked the guy, well, where are these residents going to be when all of this gentrification is going on? Where are they, where are they supposed to be living? What's going to happen to them? And nobody ever answered that question. Now, do you feel like there's a happy medium where that we can uh, that they we can get development in there but still maintain the heart of that neighborhood, no. the soul of that neighborhood? No. It's one or the other? Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be like somebody coming into the village in New York City, going, "We want everybody that li- that's lived in the village, because you know, in New York City, they have rent stabilization. There have been people that live in the village in apartments with, that are paying three, four hundred dollars a month for rent because their rent is stabilized. That would be like going into tra- there's a Charles Street in um, New York City in the village. I lived on it, so that would be like going into Charles Street in New York City, saying, "You know what? All of y'all need to go. We're going to redo this neighborhood. We'll give you X amount of money to go stay someplace else, but we can't guarantee you can come back when we're done." That's annoying. True. Uh, yeah, I feel like there. I, I want to feel like the a way that you can make progress, but still not sacrifice the people that are living there. I wish, I wish personally I had the answer for that, yeah. but from what I've seen, and there may be a neighborhood or a city or a state that has accomplished that, that that is not on my radar, but from what I've seen in my life, I've never seen it happen without some kind of consequence to the people that live in that neighborhood. And I can understand why Michael's reluctance to attach ELQ to something like that. Yeah, because, you know, the people resent the corporation, and then it ends up be- becoming the downfall of the corporation because... You know, people won't support something that they don't believe in or that they believe is going to turn on them. Uh, but I also feel like Ned may have a point, too, where he says, hey, but also we're accountable to the people that work for us as well, to be able to give them employment as well. You know. But it's an answer <laughs> that we're not going to be able to figure out. Stephanie says, ELQ, ELQ don't, don't need to make more money. Michael is doing the right thing and trying to take ELQ in a better direction instead of greedy like before. I'm with you, Stephanie. I'm like... <laughs> They, Ned and them don't need no more money. They quartermains. They don't need another dollar in their pocket. You don't know. I don't know. The, the one thing I do love again is that uh, all these, all these, uh, whether it's about Charles Street, whether it's uh, uh, Felicia, uh, Maxie, Obrecht, and Lulu planning out the bridal shower, <laughs> it's all happening at Julian's uh, new restaurant slash bar that he's got. 
I, as, as I said before, I just I like it. As soon as as soon as a, a known character buys an establishment, all of a sudden everybody's, everybody comes there. Everybody's there. Like there's no place else in the town to go to. <laughs> that is that actually makes me laugh too. I was like, oh, okay, so now Julian's spot gonna be the new spot that everybody goes to. It made me laugh, and it also made me laugh that on Christmas Eve they all got stranded there and had to. Stay. <laughs> I love that they all oh. got stranded there on Christmas Eve, and Alexis was the last person to come through the threshold. She was standing out there in the cold, shivering, looking a hot buttered mess. I'm like, girl, get over it. Y'all live in the same town. The town ain't but so big. You gonna run into him. Get over yourself. I am still. T- I still don't. Other than owning this restaurant that now everybody is hanging out in, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with Julian. And I'm tired of seeing a Julian and Alexis scene where it just is like all awkward. And Alexis refused to acknowledge anything about. Julian. Well, now they've shifted it to being oh. a Julia and Olivia scene. So now he's lurking around Olivia, going, "I need to see my son." I'm like, Julian, oh. I'm gonna need for you to go in a closet, close the door, and never come back out. That's what I'm gonna need you to do. Yeah. Really. It's just oh. I just I can't. Let's talk about I remember there was this comment when um Maxie was having a moment about whether or not she should should be a mother. She was all verklempt about it and um <laughs> Maxie and Felicia's like, Oh, you're gonna be a great mother and she's like, Yeah, a great what did she say? A train wreck with great hair. She called herself a train wreck with great hair. I hollered. Like, some of the one-liners that they give the characters make me laugh out loud. Like, I literally laugh out loud at the TV screen. It's so <laughs> funny. I love the writers on General Hospital. They can really write. Uh, as we're talking about something that I, was, I liked about it in terms of writing was the, because uh, we really we talked a little bit about Nell, but we do have a scene earlier uh, during the holiday break where uh, Nell is getting examined by Monica. And oh. Monica, I mean, Nell's kind of on the defensive of certainly having and Monica calmed name. her down. Yeah, just talking about her past as well and the decisions that she had made, too. And I, I like that moment. You know, as much as I can find annoying uh, Nell annoying, I did like that Monica was able to just have, like, a real conversation with her. Yeah, because, you know, you know, first she popped off on Carly. Carly was like Nell. Now she's going to pop off on Monica. And they're like, both of them, Monica and Carly, are like, at the end of the day, we may not like you. But we all about that baby, so we're trying to keep you calm so that the baby can get here. It's going to be really interesting to see if the baby actually comes out, if she even gets to that point. And when it comes out, what's going to happen with her once that baby is born? Because they're trying to be all nice and, you know, PC with her now. But what's going to happen when that when that Quartermain kid pops out? That's what I want to know. True. Uh, yeah, because I did like Monica saying, like, hey, uh, you maybe give birth to a Quartermain child. But that doesn't mean that you're going to become a part of the Quartermain family. Yep. Other, other people have tried that and have not succeeded. And she, as we know, as the, yeah. um, i.e. the way she treats Olivia. Oh, yeah. Well, Ooh. but they're working better. They, they, they got better over the holidays, but you know, but that's because Olivia decided if you can't beat them, join them. You know what I mean? Olivia got to the point where she was like, if you can't beat him, join him. So let me just get on her side for a second and maybe she'll soften up. Now, Gary James there in the chat says, Nell is finally interesting. Do you find that she's interesting now? I find her annoying still. She's not interesting. She's still annoying. But what the what the writers are doing with Nell is they are finding, they, they are throwing character traits into her character that are reminiscent of a young Carly, that are reminiscent of a young Monica, to make her empathetic to the viewers, the people that have been watching it long enough to remember what those people were like in that particular situation. Monica was a pain in the butt back in the day. She was not the lovely, you know, f- um, fluffy grandmother that we know her to be now. She was a hot mess. Yeah. Well, because it, and I do like the scene between her and Ava where Nell admits that this was not planned. Mm-mm. By uh, do you think Nell is being honest with Ava at that moment that this was an unexpected, unplanned pregnancy, or is Nell 
kind of like manipulating things, and she's just kind of compounding that lie with Ava. You know, this I think this might be the one time that she's not lying. I don't think it was unplanned. I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't think she planned it on purpose. Is what I'm trying to say. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Um, I think that she got pregnant and freaked out because she got pregnant, and then was like, "Oh God, what am I gonna do?" And then she was like, "Oh." Psh- I got pregnant by a quarter man. Let me work this out. I'm set. And then they cracked her face, and they're like, "We'll take care of the baby, but we're not taking care of you. You need to get a job." <laughs> like I love, <laughs> I love what Michael gave her them one ass and was like, "Here you go, find a job." And she was like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> "In a bar, no less." Like, why are you sitting up in a bar having somebody tell you you need to get a job and you pregnant? I can't. Well, we've got Miss Yaki saying, "Don't like the re- uh, redux of Carly of Nell uh, as Nell. I like Nell just being annoying." Because that's who she is. Stop trying to make the whole show about Carly and Sonny. Well, the show, the whole show is about Carly and Sonny. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we may not want it to be about Carly and Sonny, but let's face it. General Hospital is about Carly and Sonny. Watch the opening montage with the pictures flying across the scene. Who are the last two faces that go into the background? Carly and Sonny. Well, I guess it depends on the day because there were a few days this week <laughs> where it was just Stone Cold, Jason... Uh, just standing there by himself on that little... I was like, all right, yeah, he doesn't need anybody else. That's what I'm saying. He's a man of action. Don't give him these relationships. Let him just stand there flexing. That's what I need. That's what I want out of you, Stone Cold. (laughs) Gary said, you weren't there for the Carly Skank years? Ooh, honey, you missed it. You need to go watch some reruns of the Carly Skank years because those reruns... Woo! They will give you life, I promise. But do you feel like Nell's doing herself any favors? Especially, she can't help herself that if she's around Carly, she's going to needle her. And I feel like if you want to at least try to reduce the stress, reduce, you know, don't worry about your blood pressure, like, do you just have to, as much as it's going to irritate you, you got to take the higher road? Is Nell capable of taking the higher road? She can't, it no, seems like, at this No, she's point. not capable of it, but I think that at some point she's going to be forced to go there. She's going to be forced to go there, where she, whether she wants to be there or not. And then how it's received is going to be the thing, you know. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have done it again. Carla, we've successfully completed the first GH report of 2018. Oh, and it was a lot. Like, I, try, I looked at my little, I was keeping track of my little notes, trying to keep track of everything that went down. Ooh, I think I got everything. Woo! Did I miss anything? I don't think we missed. Well, you know, there's probably uh, bits and pieces, but you know what? <laughs> We've got all of 2018 to break down everything that's going to be happening. This is true because you know they like to drag stuff out. Oh, don't I know it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for sticking around with us. Uh, we've got a whole year's worth of great GH ahead of us, uh, and we're going to be sharing it with you every single Sunday. So until then, folks, you can like us on Facebook, give us those five stars on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Feel free to give it a thumbs up while you're there, and thank you, everybody. Dropping in the chat there, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we didn't even get to the the, the awkward uh, New Year's Eve drive with uh, Oscar's mom and, oh. uh, and Drew. Well, yep. Oh boy, that was a lot going All on right. too. Uh, but if you want to continue the conversation with either Carl or myself, even after the show's over, Carl, where can they find you? Y'all can find me across all social media platforms at the Curvy Critic. And yes, holla at me on Twitter. Y'all know I'm good for hollering back. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Happy Go Jackie, folks. That's gonna do it for this first of many more episodes of the GH Report in 2018. We'll see you back here next week. Hercules, Hercules. (laughs) From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later.
The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.